This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, for the second and th- I guess third week in a row, we at the Chicago Podcast Network bring you a special presentation, a different kind of show than we normally do. This, ladies and gentlemen, is out front with AJ and Nick Knights. So there it is. We, uh, we are recording this. This is our fifth attempt to start the show. We've had some technical difficulties, mainly due to the fact that we've already started drinking. Uh, I've got myself a nice glass of whiskey. AJ is over there, wherever he is. And AJ, I forgot to ask you to do the most important thing. AJ, do what you do. Hello, people. Mm. I love it when he does that. All right, so it's nights, AJ. It's a special time. It's the right time. Should we, uh, should we get started the right way? That's right. Oh, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Little Ray Charles. Like time Party is the right time. Party oh, nights, AJ. Nights. The last time you and I did a show at night was on what I consider up to this point to be our crowning achievement, which would be the night at the Pickwick when we did the Star Wars Episode Seven premiere. Since then, we've done nothing but daytime during work hours. It's been nothing but sad politics and weird shows where we don't know what to talk about. And tonight, we're just chilling. Two friends, some drinks, little Ray Charles. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Did I ask you to do what you do and do so well? You did. I'm good. All right. I got. We've started four times, man. It's hard to remember which one actually counted. So, they all count. We're getting started later tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's almost nine. We were supposed to start at eight thirty, and AJ was out doing things and fighting the good fight. AJ, tell everybody what you were up to. Uh, you know, I was just having a nice. It was a nice day for once up here, and um, you know, I did some work and. Did some phone conference calls and what have you. So it was just a normal day for me. And then you went to a uh, to a meeting, if I remember correctly. I did go to a meeting. I went to a state rep. Um, one of our state reps was having a community meeting this evening and everything. So I went to that where um, he was talking about you know what's going on in Springfield. And then I had to be the person in the room. It's like, but you're also part of the problem problem it is it is your curse <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they, you know he invites me but he knows what he's gonna get when i'm, when I'm in the room i mean that's fair he knows what he's gonna get what else can you say you know what well, I mean? that's the thing i'm like i'm like you invite me you know i'm gonna get i mean and he's not like upset at half the time but he kind of gives me gives me this look so it's like i'm like you invited me it's not like i'm coming on like on my own volition you know yeah i, I it, here's my thing with something like that it's it's, it's, it's the curse that I have as well. A lot of people can sit there while people talk about stupid shit in politics and keep their mouth shut, like about relatives or friends or honestly even strangers. And then there are the few, like me and like you, who honestly cannot stay quiet. Like we have to open our mouths because we're surrounded by, in your instance tonight, it's, yeah, this guy's talking about everything that's wrong. And you go, yeah, but you're, you're there and you didn't do anything to like make it better. Well, what's getting him more in trouble now is he is on the higher education committee and everything, and he knew what was being debated on the floor, 
so he chose to be on the floor in his seat, but while he was in his seat, he was playing video games on his phone. And he got caught on camera? And he got caught on camera. Yeah, man. If you're going to be the guy who plays Tetris at the office, you can't get caught. You know, so it was one of those things where, like, you know, the Republicans are on all. He goes, goes, he's sitting playing video games while this was going on. It's like, well, it's half true and half false. I understand what you're saying, but he was just there if any questions had to be had. Now, should he have been on his phone playing video games? No. But here we are. I mean, at the very least, if you're reading on your phone, you can play that off later as I was, you know, he had said something and I wanted to prove it wrong, so I was on scouring the internet for, but playing a game is playing a game, man. Everybody can see, like, if you're playing Pokemon Go in the assembly hall, there's there's something wrong. Well, I actually don't even know what that room is called. What is the room where... State representatives meet called. I honestly don't even know the actual title. AJ? uh, Well, it was actually in the chamber. Okay. So So actually in the house chamber. So it wasn't actually like a a committee room or one of the other conference rooms. It was was the actual well of the House of Representatives in Illinois. That seems like a bad place to be playing video games. Unless you have a... Yeah, especially if the galley above where anyone can go up there well also you know unless you have a galaga machine you should not be playing video games during politics galaga makes right. it okay because exactly they, they referenced it in the avengers um so this guy was talking just about corruption and problems down in uh springfield like that was the main focus of his of his discussion tonight yeah i mean he he tries to <clears throat> poise himself as like the independent Democrat, and you know he has stood up to Speaker Madigan, <clears throat> and, how, and and what have you. But he still, you know, <clears throat> is a Democrat, and he has voted on things that he I I feel he should never have voted on to begin with, and is also part of you know the stalemate issue that's in the General Assembly right now. There's a, a bunch of commercials running now, and you can see that the Republicans uh, who are and the anybody really running against Democrats is using Mike Madigan as kind of the rallying point for the conservatives in the area, and it's it's getting fascinating because at some point he himself will have to respond. I, Mike Madigan's not running this year, right? He ran in fourteen. Well, he's a re- he's a representative, so he runs every two years. Okay, so he's running too. And, yeah, and he's not going to lose, right? Because his base is plenty secure. I'm sure to plenty of gerrymandering. Oh yeah, I mean, but his district is in the south side. I mean, not <clears throat> like uh, Hyde Park. Like we're talking like near um, Blue Island. All right. So then you you said this to him. Did the, was there any clever response, or did he just kind of go yeah and move on, or try to ignore you? Or oh get- yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, Mike, I call him Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just, you know, he goes yeah, okay, and because everyone else in the room is like other Democrats, you know, and these are like progressive Democrats. They are the Bernanistas, as it were. Um, Sandernistas, excuse me, Sandernistas. Um, I think both are acceptable. Yeah, they are. And so... Trekkie, Trekker. Bernie Kratt. You know, again. Burner. Knights. Knights. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, so there, there's people in there like know who I am and what I would say or not say and everything. But it, it, overall, you know, it was this. It, it what's really nice is that at least this state rep, you know, Trey makes a, a concerted effort to come out once a month, you know, and hold these community meetings and. and Actually, like sends me and a few others like personal emails that he's coming. Well, that's good. I mean, at least the guy's making an effort to be uh, of you the know. people politician. I'm sure it's part of some grand plan to rule the world or something. But well, it's the thing. And but what's also equally hysterical, I feel is hysterical, is that so like our local media will get us. So we have this one radio um, personality who will come out and do her thing and what have you. So she will interview the representative after the meeting, but then will ask me for an interview <laughs> after the meeting also. And I assume as, that you... As, like, the opposing, <laughs> you know? Because um, and, and she knows, like, she'll, like, she goes, so we have vice chair of the Socialist Party, AJ, <laughs> who was at this meeting. It's like, I'm like, yes, yes. Um, you know, I'll... And I will talk <laughs> and everything, and then they'll air it the next day. I assume that you shamelessly plug the Chicago Podcast Network when you're interviewed. Well, yeah, because I, 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 I try to, with the reporter who I think is getting annoyed, I, I bring that up because we have a, a shitty radio station. Because um, <laughs> uh, we do. I mean, it's, it's not even a radio station. It's a building with an antenna. That has like a morning show, if you want to call it that, and plays um, O'Reilly. Um, the Radio O'Reilly? What? Radio Bill O'Reilly? Yeah. Oh God, that's got to be a special kind of suck. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's very it's very much Fox oriented. I honestly <clears> didn't and- know he had a radio show. Is it just what? the audio of his TV show, or is it yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. oh, whatever, that's fine. I got well, really well, excited. They'll do that, but also do like, so you know, like all these guys will have a, a, a TV show and a radio show. Yeah. So they'll air sometimes O'Reilly on his show, but he'll they'll also air Riley on his radio show also. Oh, yeah, Lazy Radio. I love it. It's yeah. Limbaugh used to do it. So if he was on TV... What he would do when I was, this is when I was interning at 890, and what they would do, it was, I loved it, because I used to, if you worked in radio, like actual radio long enough, which I honestly don't even know if you, did you ever work at an FM music station, or did you, your first? I never did FM, I mean, I've always wanted to do FM radio, but I was always did AM, mostly. Alright, so I did FM radio for a while, and my favorite thing about FM radio, and I used to joke about it, is up until... Like early 2000s when DJs started to just become what they are now, which is just mass produced, when they were actually personalities who would like pick the music that they played. Uh, Guys, you could always tell when somebody had to go to the bathroom because an extra long (laughs) song would come on. And like, there. Yeah, exactly. Like there are, there's like a series, you know, and you did it long enough now to know that there are a series of songs that are over five minutes long that are still acceptable enough on any FM station. Like there's a couple Queen songs like you can always put on Bohemian Rhapsody and that buys you seven minutes in the toilet. And if you know that it's going to be a long trip, you know what you bust out, it's the number one. How do you know that someone in the radio station really had to go to the bathroom and couldn't leave the computers on man? Do you want to know? 
It's the live version of Freebird. If you hear the live version of Freebird on the radio, I'm not kidding. I've done it myself. The live version of Freebird means that whoever's running the computers at that point, there's no DJ in the studio. It's just a dude running a board or a woman running a board, and they had to take a, you know, go number two. They put on Freebird live. Uh, and that's why I'm laughing because um, actually one of my more regular listeners on the old radio station called me out on it because he noticed I didn't I didn't know I did it. He noticed within the same week I played the same song twice. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. And um, what I play, um, Layla. By Clapton. Oh, good one. That's a good one for a P. That's, and what, so, 7 minutes, 32 seconds? So I guess I played it twice. Like, I think I played it on a Tuesday, and then I played it on a Friday. And then, like, they private messaged me on Facebook while I was still on the air. And they're like, are you in the bathroom? Yeah. I go, I go how'd you know? He goes, because you played Layla twice. I'm like, no, I didn't. And they go, yeah, you played it Tuesday, now you're playing it again. And I go, oh, yeah, I am. So... I'm in live in five seconds. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, that's how you know. But anyway, so the, what I used to joke about with Limbaugh was he would do the same thing. Because Limbaugh would play like these long interviews like, and last night I was on, I think I got a decent Limbaugh, last night I was on Larry King. And Larry King and I had a great conversation about gun control. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen, live at the top of the hour. And then, you know, they play a commercial, come back, and it'd be, you know, 15 minutes of his two-hour radio show were just what he had done on Larry King the night before. And if you if you listen to Glenn Beck, because I, I used to, you know, tune in just to know what the other side is doing. If you listen to Glenn Beck, his radio show literally consisted of him introing and exiting uh, his TV things. And it's genius because if you know enough about the magic of radio and how to, like, do stuff like that, the dude could literally walk in at the end of his TV show, sit down in an audio room, they, they turn, off, turn on the mics, and he could just go, you know, he could do his morning bit, go into the show from the night before, do an exit cue, do an intro cue to the next clip, record some bumpers for sponsors and he's in and out and he doesn't have to be at the studio in the next day until four o'clock right it's it's it's, it's beautiful it's 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 you know as my old boss at the ice rink used to put it work smart not hard right that's very true that's very true for radio and and you know every time i this is know, all about that station radio person because <clears throat> um, they'll inter- ask me to come over to the station and do a, a recorded interview, and they'll play it sometime during the week. Um, yeah, I always try to throw in there. It's like, so I've noticed you have some dead time between these times. How about you throw on a podcast show? And they listen to and it. They, and they, they look at me like, you know, yeah, well, I'm, I'm just saying you guys don't do anything. But we have something. <laughs> well, if it ever comes up, I am open to negotiations, like a Fere- like a Ferengi. Are you going to be okay of broadcasting on a conservative station? Oh, I don't care. What, what, what? The only thing that bugs me is that they're going to not air. Then they're not going to air us because we're so liberal; it's insane. If they well, ever want to air us, it's going to be from two a.m. to four a.m. Sure, why not? I've already gotten a death threat in the last month, so we should keep going with that, right? You know, I took it as a sign of pride. I, I think if you're not doing it, speaking of, all right, so we were talking about that radio station and all that stuff. Do you mind if I drastically change topics because it's AJ and Nick? Sure. Nights. This, this is our night show. Yeah. All right, so 
I uh, had a story pop up yesterday, and it's been kind of running through today, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. I know what your opinion is. I've been doing this with you long enough, but I wanted to talk about it. Do you know what my opinion is on yeah, this? Yeah, because the story is so reprehensible that there's only one right side of the an- of the issue, and it's the story we'll about what happened to poor Leslie Jones. We'll see how far this will fly. It's what happened to Leslie Jones. Did you hear what happened to Leslie Jones? My, I've seen what happened to Leslie Jones. Yeah. So- I, I was there. No. What do you mean? <laughs> When the I photo- was with her. I was right next to her. When the photos happened? Yeah, I was right next to Leslie Jones. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how to go with this right now. <laughs> like, I had a whole little, you know, fun conversation planned where you were, like, absolutely offended by this entire idea, and, and you've totally thrown me for a loop here, buddy. I'm going to take a drink. You should join me. <laughs> I already had a, a few drinks right now. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, what are, what are you drinking? Uh, Just... Vodka in my water bottle. Very nice. I've got the uh, Jameson on the rocks, as I mentioned before, with my Darth Vader ice cube. Darth Vader Death Star. Death Star ice cube. There's also Darth Vader ones I have. Is this one big ice cube, or is it several it's, small? It, no, it's a huge. It's a whiskey. It's a whiskey sphere that looks like the Death Star. That's what I thought. I mean, it used to. Now it's just a sad, deformed testicle of, a, of an ice cube, much like the Death Star after it got blown up. Nights. Um, no, but the whole Leslie Jones thing, I got pissed when I saw that. I love that girl. She, she, girl, that woman, she cracks me up every time I watch her. Like, I, I think she's the best part of SNL right now. And watching that whole thing just unfold throughout the day really pissed me off. And then into today, and she's been kind of quiet about it, of course, because, you know, she's embarrassed, right? Not even for the right reason, but... Christ, man, to post, like, that's, that's just, I don't understand, you're, you're a good guy, I think I'm a pretty decent guy, I've, I've got some friends of mine who are not the best people, but not a single one of them, I believe, would go online and post pictures of naked women against their consent, because to me, that's, it's a form of sexual assault, don't you think? Oh, of course, I mean, that's what, you know, when some of these, like, hackers, um, go on, either a website or they will take a stock photo and Photoshop it to the best of their ability and then, or find the creme de la creme, if it were, of photos and then, you know, say, oh, look at this. And then it's just nothing but misogyny all over it. That's all it is. Yeah. I get, I I just, I don't understand the mentality of it, the whole hacker thing, because to me, hackers... I guess I just come from this the the old school of it, maybe, and I'm old enough that I do. But to me, hacking was always about. I was always on the side of a white hat, white hat hacker. Hard one to say. I, I've always understood that philosophy. I'm really good at technology. I will use technology for the betterment of mankind. Even um, a guy who I don't necessarily agree with how he does it, but I understand why he does it is Julian Assange. Mm-hmm. I, I get what he does. I understand. Because there is a part of me that totally embraces the idea of, no, all information for everybody for free. There's a part of me that completely understands that. I I understand the danger of it because I'm not an idiot and I'm not so far gone onto that position that I'm willing to just throw out the ideas of, like, I don't know, national security and keeping people alive. But a black hat hacker, somebody who does it for even, even like robbing somebody as much as I'm obviously against that idea you can understand that crime it's the personal gain of financial uh you know you're you're gaining financially but just the bullshit mean things that you see on the internet done to women because they're women i i've always found incredible i i 
It's not that I even find it offensive. I, I can't. I'm not a woman. What I find is it be- it boggles my imagination. As they would say on the West Wing, it eludes me to make me sound fancier. Knights. <laughs> you got to get used to it, man. It's a, it's a chord I'm going to be going back to all night long. The second anything gets kind of weird or different than how we normally do it, just you should join me. If you hear me do it, you should wait. You should just join in. Knights. You should have. Uh... You know what you, you know what you should have done. What's that? Is um gotten the old Nightcore theme song. Hey man, we got an open internet connection and nothing but time. <laughs> <laughs> Consider it done. The second one of us gets prosecutor uh, prosecutorial, I guess is the phrase. I'll I'll bust out the Nightcore theme. This is That's easily it. done. I love the internet. There you go. For many reasons. Nights. But you know, to your point. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's what I understand about. Hackers who I just call I, I consider more rogue rack hackers where they are lone wolves. They will go out searching for whatever they are, what their jollies they're trying to get off. And and you have what what's going on with Leslie Jones. And then this happens, and it's like, why are you doing this? And you have someone like Julian Assange, as you said, who. Like you, I also like what he does with Wiki, WikiLeaks and everything, and you know, into the point. I also like what you know Edward Snowden has done. I, I actually don't think that it's fair to put those two in the same grouping. They're uh, not, no, but they're not the same. But I'm, there, there's certain com- comparisons to that. But what I was going to say about WikiLeaks, though, is you know, with WikiLeaks, you know, it's a little bit more channeled, and and as I've always understood with WikiLeaks, like you know, there's this effort of hey if you have information bring it here and you know but we all, we will also search out for the information that needs to be searched and what have you but it's not like dark net type of stuff no 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 i don't mean like that uh th- there have just been a few instances where they haven't been careful in how they've released information and uh possibly damaging stuff has gotten out i'm not talking about like embarrassing stuff that does not bother me i actually think that that stuff should all be out in the open i'm talking about national security stuff you know names of agents uh bank account numbers shit like that that can be tracked and they either don't realize how advanced the anti-intelligent industry is or they underestimate what people can find based on the information that they release um that kind of stuff is is what i talk about with wikileaks but i also completely support the fundamental idea of WikiLeaks, and when it comes to Edward Snowden, I believe that he is a national hero who should be venerated, you know, with the likes of Thomas Paine and you know other famous Americans who gave a lot for this country. Because uh, that man embodied to me what an American truly is. Mm-hmm. Speech over. So, what's your thoughts on? Uh, we're just going to uh, jump around today. Brett Bar, Brett Bart's um. <laughs> Milo, when he went out and attacked Leslie Jones regarding Ghostbusters. Yeah, I. That's a whole other thing. Breitbart itself is is. I honestly never know what to make of that place or the people behind it or him himself. I, I it's because he's got the webpage. So I, I tend when I hear his name, I tend to just think of the whole thing behind him, and. Yeah, I, I, listen, there are people out there who are going to say, we did an entire show dedicated to the insanity of Alex Jones. 
And what I came to realize throughout getting ready for that show, and honestly, people, you don't understand, for people like me and AJ to spend, it, we didn't really talk about it much when we were making it. We haven't talked about it a lot. But I joked with AJ when I got home the night after we did the Alex Jones thing. Do you remember? I, I think I messaged you on Facebook or I called you or something. And it was basically like, you know, the be- it was messaged on Facebook. And it was the best thing about being done with the Alex Jones show is I don't have to spend my nights watching Alex Jones anymore. Exactly. And the thing that you realize when you're doing something like that is that there is... There are two possibilities, both of which are horrible, both of which speak to, just I guess, the evil of the men involved. But one possibility is that he is so far gone in his beliefs that he thinks that what he was saying about Leslie Jones was accurate and true. Because I am who I am, and this actually goes back to the conversation we were having before where it, it, it eludes me, it... it, it I am so confident in my beliefs as a progressive, I guess, AJ would be the term that properly used if I was going to label myself as anything, just that, you know, in gay rights, social rights in general, most of the rights that most people are on the side of, even Republicans that you talk to who are reasonable, just the idea that everybody should be left the hell alone and we need some government to protect us and then we can have a healthy argument over what that actually means. That is a majority of the people that I deal with, even the people who I know who, who support Trump. I throw into that pile, they're terribly misguided, but I understand they themselves, not the man that they're supporting, are generally reasonable people. It's the people who truly believe the the far-right, propaganda, racist, bigoted, most importantly divisive rhetoric that I cannot understand. So if he's one of those, a true believer, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Right, what we're talking about here, but if he's just an asshole who's doing it to make money, I honestly don't know which is worse. I think the asshole just trying to make money is technically a worse person. Either way, you can't respect what he says, and when he starts going off on shit like that, I just hope that a person like Leslie Jones just literally laughs it off. That was a really long-winded answer to your question. So when you have someone like um, Breitbart, who is supposedly the advisor to Trump's campaign. Yeah. Then what kind of asshole is that? My argument, uh, unfortunately, because, you know, that I always like to try to imagine what the other side would say is uh, my response. First of all, there's the response of the right, which is to be look at the Huffington Post, which is the most liberal website that there is. And it just also posts naked pictures of celebrities as much as possible. And that's one part of it. But if you're going to ask me about him advising the Trump campaign. I think the fact that Donald Trump has opened up his doors to Roger Ailes is much worse than that. Uh, it, this is a guy who's facing, you know, sexual harassment allegations and a whole bunch of shit. And he's basically been responsible now for the taking down of Fox News in many ways, at least down to a certain level. And when it comes to Breitbart run, contributing to Trump's campaign. Honestly, if you're Donald Trump, who the fuck is left? We I told you earlier before we went on the air that there was a news story came out in the Atlantic that every surviving member of every president's economic, uh, council of economic advisors cannot and will not endorse Donald Trump because they say that any of his policies will destroy the economy. If you're Donald Trump, who the fuck else can you get to help you on your campaign? You've already fired all the people that got you to this point because the truth is what got you here is horrible rhetoric that won't work on a national base apparently thank god 
I, I was afraid that that wasn't the case. You and I had many conversations how I was afraid that that wasn't the case. Uh, it, it, it's just gotten to the point where you go, yeah, he's going to hire Brett. He's, he's going to hire everybody. Look, by the end of this campaign, Steven Seagal is going to be working for his fucking campaign. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to fight SEALs. Not Navy SEALs, like actual the animal. No, 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 and I can see him doing that too. That's the scary part. Um, <laughs> I mean, he'll fight the death of save Eskimos, but he'll kill the shit out of some SEALs. So, I did something last night. Listen, man, what you do at night alone is something that you should keep to yourself and God. Nope, I want I want to make it public so everyone knows what I do because I'm not, I'm kind of that's how transparent I am with my life. Um. I, 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 this show, by the way, is making it paint the picture that I somehow drink whiskey every night. I got to tell you that I have had one glass of whiskey in about an hour, and it's pretty watered down, and I don't really drink like I used to, so I'm kind of buzzed. So go ahead, AJ. I just want to okay. get that out there in the open. Okay, I am not a drunk, which is why I am drunk. <laughs> um, not that drunk. So I got good Glenn wordplay. Beck. Oh, God. <laughs> He was a guest on MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell's show. Yeah, Lawrence O'Donnell, by the way, n- not exactly the most uh, unbiased of journalists. Continue. No, and and there's parts of Lawrence O'Donnell I like, and he's also one of the advisors to the West Wing, so how can you not like him? Uh, so when he had Glenn Beck on a show, I was like, kind of perplexed. I'm like, why are you having Glenn Beck on your show? Oh, I <laughs> think I read about this. Yeah, go ahead. Did you did you see this last night or? Heard I didn't about see it? it. I heard about it. Go ahead, tell him. I don't. I don't have it right. Go ahead. Well, the part you're you're referring to, but the part I'm going to be talking about in a second is this. Um, Glenn Beck did a show yesterday, which apparently I want to know how to rig up my room to have the best audio quality possible because he was doing a show. It was in his living room, I guess, or some part of his house or a studio, and he had a caller. You know, call in a show live, a live show. And this person named Nate went off and saying, you know, we need to be getting down Trump and and if we need to hold him accountable and if he doesn't do what he says he does, then there's gonna be consequences. And Glenn Beck goes, What are those consequences? Like impeachment? He goes, Well, that's that's one way. <laughs> And so Glenn Beck really was prying to get him to say what Glenn Beck thought he was going to say, which he was kind of alluding to of um, taking arms against Donald Trump if he doesn't do what he says he's been pain trail. And Glenn Beck was, when he was on Lawrence O'Donnell's show, The Last Word, um, Glenn Beck goes, he goes, I was scared. (laughs) And this is the first time I'm hearing a self-subscribed um, constitutionalist saying that he's scared of his own people that they're going to take up arms and force someone out of office. May I? I'm going to offer you an option, okay? I want you to listen. This is very important. Option number one is the classic literature interpretation of the story that you just told me. Option two is the pro-wrestling version of the story you just told me. Which of those two stories would you most like to hear? Can I use my D&D dice for this? Yeah, but to get the wrestling one, you've got to roll a 15 or higher. Well, then go for the wrestling one. I'm not going to roll 15 or higher. That's just not going to happen. Go ahead. Yeah, sometimes you got to kill Option the dragon. Option two. All right, all right. So here's the deal with the wrestling one. So what is you're this saying- with JR, a JR 
No, this is not with JR. This is not a JR story. This is a Vince McMahon story, my very good friend. Oh, okay. Here is the thing. Who's 71, by the way, today? Yes, he is. Happy birthday to Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Or, I'm sorry, should we do it right? Vincent Kennedy McMahon. It's happy birthday, Vince. He'd love the fact to know that the world would know that he's 71. Anyway, so what you're telling me is that it's almost like a, a pro wrestling promoter brought in a, a journeyman wrestler from two previous wrestling companies, gave him an opportunity, called him the ringmaster, left him to do nothing, and kind of just let him just float in the weeds and basically figured he'd have him for a couple of years, then he'd fire him, no big deal. Um, and then as things started to evolve and his top cigar stars got hurt, this unknown Texas rattlesnake were to begin to garner a following if you would imagine and then begin to challenge vince mcmahon for control not only of the company but of the industry itself and as doing so would realize that the only way to rein in was to become a even bigger bastard than the bastard who was starting to take him over and then it would all have to clash memorably in a steel cage match and the debut of the giant that would be the pro wrestling analogy would you like to know what the classic uh literature analogy was sure mary shelley's frankenstein glenn beck is frankenstein donald trump is the monster you can literally that's the same story done both ways um <laughs> and it's fine and my point with that whole thing by the way ladies and gentlemen is that pro wrestling is classic literature and classic literature is pro wrestling continue aj on your story but i just wanted to let people know that glenn beck is frankenstein donald trump is his monster and the monster learned how to talk like in the book but not in the movie and is now stomping around the countryside uh yelling at everyone who has fire because they've suddenly started to realize that holy shit this dude is not a genius bi- uh, billionaire businessman he's a crazy person and we need to get rid of him so someone light some torches and chase this motherfucker out of town or more accurately simply turn to him steal his own catchphrase and in the best of vince mcmahon voice go you're fired knights <laughs> so yeah i mean that's what Glenn Beck was on, and he I'm was very doing a pr- show today. I'm very proud of you being able to stay on point. You're, you're like a, a presidential spokesperson for Trump. Continue. I, I, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks for, the, thanks for that. Look, it's a skill, and it's a valuable skill. You happen to have it. It makes you, a bad, it makes you a bad person, but you have it. It's a gift. Uh, or a curse. Like immortality. But, you know, if you're going to pay me. I'll I'll do my best. Um, so yeah, I mean, Glenn Beck was doing a show then today, <clears throat> live show on why he was scared <laughs> about this caller, um, and it was just really this interesting thing of Glenn Beck and now I guess a few other conservatives who are scared that now there's this simmering of something within it's it's really it let me scratch that for a second what is going on right now is what chuck todd said last sunday and that is this um almost 10 years ago maybe a little bit before that we'll say 12 um the Tea Party movement started, and then there was this big fear that something may come of that, and then it did. Then these Tea Party people started 
you know, having these rallies, and then they got vocal, and then all of a sudden they started backing candidates that spoke to them, and then some of them got those people in office, and then those people got other Tea Partiers in office. Now we're seeing this Tea Party movement that's nothing more than virtual trolls on Facebook actually going out and now actually getting the end-all, be-all meme that's called Donald Trump. And now we're at this apex in our political history that we're seeing this huge shift when it comes to, you know, right ideology, when it comes to, you know, the political scene and everything. Because we're seeing this in Europe with, you know, fascist organizations like Golden Dawn and Greece and a few other places that are actually getting people elected, you know? And now we're here in the United States with this alt-right movement, as they're saying, and... We're now starting to see some conservatives and Republicans scared that the very people that they were cheering on is now, you know, boiling over and they they have no idea to do with this boiling pot other than to turn the heat off. But they can't turn the heat off because they want to keep this thing going. So it's kind of like, damn if they do, damn if they don't. What other options do they have other than, you know, putting it out and put something new in there at this point? You mean knocking the, the, and I've heard this a couple times now that there's a whole movement again to knock him out of the race completely and replace him, and you can't do it. It's never. I mean, look, it's never been done in the history of American politics. But going back to what you were saying about the the right wing mu- uh, movement across Europe, that's been going on for almost ten years, mm-hmm. uh, and people have said. You know, much smarter people than you or I uh, actually said that it was a precursor to what was going to be happening now in America. That, like, yeah, everyone keeps talking about how liberal the United States is becoming, but watch out because this has been happening over there. Right. And it's scary as hell. Like the the, the rebirth of when we were kids. There are certain things. It's, it's funny because there are certain things that you you took for granted because of the time that you and I grew up in. But I try to explain to people all the time that we grew up. Not really with a Cold War. We never really had one in our lifetime. By the time you and I were old enough to understand that the Soviet Union wasn't a threat anymore, except in movies. And we never lived with the fear of nukes going off over our heads growing up. I mean, did you ever really? That you can uh, remember. Yeah, because I have, there's like two nuclear power plants. You've told me that before. I'm sorry. I always forget that. No, no, no. But no, it's something that a lot of people just don't take in consideration. I mean, you're right. Our generation never grew up in the Cold War because the Cold War was slowly thawing at that point. Um, I mean, obviously, the USSR was still there, and that was being slowly being dismantled before our eyes. We were seeing the wall going to come down soon. So this Eastern European bloc was um, slowly dying off, but... You know, you're right that when that happened, then this right movement started to come in 10 years ago. Um, I would argue just a little bit before 10 years ago because we started, I started seeing a lot of it in Russia um, and Italy 
as well, whereas you start seeing all these right fascist Yeah, but hold on. I, 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 yes. But what the point that I was actually trying to make is that we grew up in our particular time and place right. in the world as Americans. Um, in a very liberal time, our parents' generation was the Vietnam generation, which mm-hmm. was a very different experience of war than generations previously. So that generation didn't raise us um, as war hawks as the previous three had been. They raised us almost in a... I think I've talked to you about this before. If you think about the production of the TV show, The X-Files, which could only exist in a pre-9-11 world and actually couldn't exist afterwards. Uh, Chris Carter said in an interview of his, he goes, it was a very different time because there was a complete distrust of government at that point between Watergate, Vietnam, uh, the whole thing with the, uh, uh, what the hell, the, the Iran hostage crisis, um, what Nick, uh, Reagan did in Grenada, and also his arming of the rebels in Nicaragua and all of that, um, Iran-Contra, that's the one I was struggling to remember, people didn't trust the government anymore. So something like that could exist. We grew up in that time period where mm-hmm. a healthy distrust of the government is, even in the most conservative people that you know, their conservatism, I believe, comes out of a complete distrust of the system. And... It's different, I think, when in Europe, the one that boggles my mind is when we were, the the point that I was actually trying to get to was, when we were kids, though, I remember that Germany was actually the most liberal of European countries, that the swastika was completely banned, and it was, you know, people would tell you that if you even see one there, that means it's like a major deal in Germany when that happens. And I knew that the situation had switched when I started hearing about far right wing, almost fascist nationalist parties beginning to form in Germany, which was a European country that had been so liberal for most of my life. Um, we always joked about it, you know, the, what's the famous Simpsons line? We Germans are not the warlike people, but even we have limits. It's funny at the time because they were not perceived as being like that anymore. Uh, it's just so this thing's been spreading this thing's been coming and now it's here and it presents the the great gift slash terrible part of it is that it's presented itself as a gift in the form of jackass von hairpiece first one of the night or i should say nights okay i'm sorry going off on i think a five minute rant there this has been a series of you talking and being very informative, and then I rant for several minutes. Night. <laughs> no, I mean, no, and everything we're bringing up is <clears throat> is on point. I didn't say I was wrong. Let's be abundantly clear. I no. never admitted. If I implied to you at any point that I thought I was wrong, that is a failure of communication on my part. I am absolutely right. It's just, you know, it doesn't that's have a, to be said so for so a, long. That's a Debate, so. I am always right in everything that I do. Mm, okay, that's the Jameson talking, ladies and gentlemen. I am quite fallible. You can keep thinking that all you want. <laughs> Whatever. You 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 had a retort or a segue or a complete different change of topic. Where did you want to go, AJ? Which door will you choose? 
So let's talk about the new Raw and SmackDown. Ooh, the brand split. This is a good place to end our little show. Ladies and gentlemen who listen to our podcast. Is it really a brand split, though? All right, hold on, hold on. Ladies and gentlemen who normally listen to Out Front with AJ and Nick, though this special presentation, AJ, join me in this, of Out Front with AJ and Nick. Nights. Nights. Has uh, now taken the turn that it will always take, which is when we go... To pro wrestling for 20 minutes to end the show, and I'm just uh, liquored up enough that I don't care that this is where the conversation is going. So if you're one of our loyal listeners who loves the politics, loves all that, that's great. We encourage you to stick with us because this is going to be fun. But this is when we talk pro wrestling for the next, oh, 19 minutes and 30 seconds. So, AJ, my friend, you asked me about the brand split. You questioned, is it in fact a brand split? And I would answer to you, sir, that no, it is not a brand split. It is not a brand split at all. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out because, I mean, obviously they're trying to, you know, rebrand WWE or do something a little bit more, I understand, innovative, um, regenerate into something else. So I'm glad that they're bringing commissioners and general managers back. Um, I'm just confused to all hell. Once again, why do we need a tag team championships for Raw, tag team champions for SmackDown? I love the women's division. I do love that. But why do we need two separate ones? Why do we have a heavyweight title and there's a universal title? I don't get this. I mean, why can't we just... I don't mind if there's Raw and SmackDown, but why can't we just have tag team? And then someone from SmackDown can come to Raw and vice versa to win the tag team belts. It's actually very... Kind of like capture the flag. It's very amusing to me that you would bring up this topic, actually. Because uh, last night I sat with uh, my roommate, who's probably hearing me say this right now, and at some point will come barging into my room uh, to interrupt this conversation before I put words in his mouth. But we were talking after SmackDown, and I mentioned to him that... I was really pissed at the idea that there were now two champions on every show of every kind. There's the Intercontinental Champion, the U.S. Champion. There's two versions of the Tag Team Champions, two versions of Women's Champions, and there are two heavyweight champions. The one has the uglier belt, which I would not want. I wouldn't want to win that belt. In fact, I would cancel my title run as a WWE superstar. Or professional wrestler, if you're, you know, not working for the company, if 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 that was what they wanted me to win, that thing is so hideously ugly. That's just a complete different diatribe. But our conversation, basically, I tried to make the point to him, and this is what I believe: if you're going to do this kind of a split, if you're going to really break up the brands and try to make it seem like there's competition happening between the two shows, then why not have the champion on one show and on every single event that you have? The champion is on your show, right? So you can have your independent uh, pay-per-view events or whatever the hell they're going to be called. You know, one of your superstars can challenge for the championship. But at SummerSlam and WrestleMania, whoever the number one contender has been decided to be on the opposite show challenges for the title, which automatically makes SummerSlam and WrestleMania a special event because you're guaranteed to get Raw versus SmackDown in the main event of the number one contender versus the defending champion from whichever show that they are, and if they win, then the show for at least six months, belong, the title belongs to another show. That's a compelling storyline that you can instantly invent, uh, invent every t- uh, twice a year 
in a calendar year to garner up entertainment in your sh- in your main event. Because then you can also have it be that at Wrestle, or even, you know what, it doesn't make sense because the Royal Rumble. So you make it at SummerSlam and the Royal Rumble, which leaves WrestleMania to still be the main event of the Royal Rumble. You can do it that way. There are so many better options than we have two versions of every champion, and then we're going to probably end up doing one shitty pay-per-view a year where the champions all fight, and it's going to be lame, and nobody's going to give a shit. And they continue to kind of prove the point that they don't really give a shit what fans think. No, absolutely, and um, what 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 irritate me the most is the Lesnar Orton match. Why? Because they build it as you know, fifteen years in the making and everything. And when they when I first heard that, I'm like, okay, I'm listening, because I never really saw a battle between Orton or Lesnar ever, um, except for maybe like. You know, when evolution happened, or um, this is where my nerddom uh, outdoes your nerddom. Uh, evolution never had a single interaction with Brock Lesnar. Continue. That's what I thought. I mean, that's just why I said that. I'm like, wait, I mean, that doesn't sound right. But either way, um, so I mean, when he posed it as like they're both at Ohio Valley Wrestling, and and even then they never saw they never wrestled each other. And so it was like a first time match between these two in in 15 years. I'm like that is like a poor selling match. <laughs> and sure, I mean there's aspects of Randy Orton I don't mind and I think he's an adequate wrestler in my view, but it's still Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and you know if you're going to bill it as, you know, 15 years in the making, I'm like show me something in between the two. That, you know, like, Orton did this to Lesnar, or Lesnar did this to Orton, but they, they never saw each other. No, I see what you're saying, that there was never really an issue for them at all. Yeah, exactly. uh, well, that was also, that's also all Brock Lesnar's fault, because he got interviewed right after UFC 200 or whatever it was, and they asked him, so what's next for you? And he goes, uh, I think Randy Orton was basically his answer, and he gave away, like, a setup that they were going to do on Raw, so it was just announced that they would fight. And whatever, I don't really. I, the, the, that whole pay per view was incredibly disappointing. I, I actually watched most of it with my roommate and his girlfriend, and she's a big fan. He watches every week, so I guess that makes him a fan. Even though all he does is complain, kind of like me, and which is really what a wrestling fan is. Um, I don't know. It was a disappointing pay per view. The storyline was shit. Uh, Randy Orton. Did you see the match? Did you watch it? No, I didn't watch the pay-per-view match. All right, I, mean, all right. I saw why I can get on YouTube, you know? Well, basically, the end of the match, the match was going to go on longer, I think, but uh, Brock elbowed Randy on the top of the head as hard as he could. He popped him open, gave him a gash the size of the Grand Canyon, and Randy was bleeding so badly they had to stop the match. I mean, that's, that's what happened. And I don't know what was supposed to happen otherwise, but it was really disappointing. There were some other matches that were okay. John Cena versus AJ Styles was great. But now John Cena's gone, so it doesn't really mean anything. I, I don't know. It's, it's, so he's it's, actually gone. I don't know how, for how long. I mean, he's not gone, gone. He's not fired or anything. But, you know, he's, I think he'd take a few months off. My buddy posted a video. He was at Fort Bragg today or some damn place. Doing stuff with Marines, even though he's never served. It's really weird. So how disappointed were you when the Dudley boys retired and how they retired? That pissed me off. Um, I'm still convinced that they're not retired. 
Right? Uh, I don't think that that's how the Dudley boys go out. I think they're coming back at some point. I think Bubba got pissed that they weren't being used correctly, possibly rightly so. They asked for their release. They got it. This is the story that I've read online anyway. And, you know, whatever. And my whole thing is, if, if my favorite tag team of all time is the Dudley Boys. I, I've, I, I love those two dudes. I, I became a wrestling fan in 2002. In 2002, the Dudley Boys were the most entertaining duo I've ever seen. When they came on WWE, not ECW. Yeah, I didn't see them in ECW. I only learned about... I always try to tell people, like as big a wrestling fan as I am, I missed the golden age. I only became oh. a wrestling fan after all of that shit had happened. Um, it's only through retroactively watching it that I appreciate it. I never saw any of that shit live. The only thing I ever saw live was Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at Unforgiven, uh, 2001. That is the only Attitude Era match I can honestly remember watching. Uh, during that period because I went with a guy from work. Other than that, I was not a wrestling fan until 2002, 2003. I think I've told you this story before. WrestleMania 19, Vince Hogan. Yeah. Uh, I've told the story on the podcast before. If you don't believe me, go on a uh, scavenger hunt and download all of our episodes and try to find it. The... I mean, what? It, it, at least, Download all of them and, and find which one. Look, you gotta catch. You, you like gotta them catch all, but find that one. No, you gotta catch them all, man. It's a it's a worldwide phenomenon. Catch them all. You know, we're like Pokemon, except with a lot more swearing. Um, knights. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know, man. It, the, the the whole thing. It, but I became a wrestling fan in 2002. Whatever. So the Dudley Boys to me were just awesome, and I and I freaking loved them. And I love the 3D. I love Devon Get the Tables. Uh, there was something reliable about those two that they were always put on a great match. So I don't know, man. I, I realistically, I'm I'm fine with it. It's it's if that's the last I see the Dudley Boys, it's disappointing. But I'm not you know heartbroken over it. I got a bonus run with them that I never expected to have when they came back at uh, in Brooklyn last year. I can't really complain that much. Right, and um, what what I read, because I was really confused about the ending, because I thought, okay, you know, the Gallows came out, and I'm like, okay, so this is probably like the match, and they're going to bring tables out to show them that, how the Dudley Boys roll and how they finish a night and everything, but what I read was the way it happened kind of left that saying they are retired but now it gives them an in to come back at some point um to go after the gallows um, yeah that's what i read too and that makes more that's what i'm saying like that's that's what i think is happening but still it's shitty yeah, well of course it's shitty but it, it's only shitty if they make a come if they don't make a comeback you know what i'm saying like and look let's face it the Dudley boys are going in the hall of fame right i mean that's well, how they are no so, matter what like, honestly, I believe that what should happen is, is that Edge and Christian, Matt and Jeff Hardy, and uh, the Dudleys should all go in together. Like, the six of them should go in together. Because I will argue that the, the Stone Cold Vince is the best soap opera storyline they ever did. The best wrestling I ever saw was the two and a half years that I, I actually went back and watched. And I've seen it, and I might actually, because I have the network, and if you'd like my login, I'll give it to you, AJ. But... Those two years where they were all fighting each other all the time is fucking amazing. Because it would right. be Edge and Christian versus Matt and Jeff, and then the Dudleys versus whatever two superstars were a tag team. And then you could just imagine infinite combinations of those 
four possibilities. It was fantastic. And you, you, you can't beat it. So I love the Dudleys. I love what the Dudleys represent. They're like the last. There is one, do, two. I'm trying to think. There are two, three, three guys left now who wrestle from the Golden Age. And that's Chris, Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. Kane, and The Big Show. Triple H still wrestles sometimes. The Rock still wrestles sometimes. Everyone else is gone. That's who's left. So, I, I don't know, man. I'm sad that they're gone. It, it means that the gener- the generation that was older than me is now retiring, which is always a sad moment for any sort of fan of anything. So. Oh, yeah. And what's even sadder for me is you, you, there are wrestlers who are doing behind-the-scenes work, or something, and you know that they can't wrestle anymore. Or if they, well, if they do wrestle, they're gonna break something. Um, Mick Foley being one of them. <laughs> uh, Daniel Bryan will die, right? Because like you know this Heath guy who's the free agent. No, you know? no, don't make fun of him. He's my new favorite. Are you serious? I, I love mean, that dude. I hate him. He's hilarious. Uh, well, that's all he is. It's hilarious. He's not. It's like I go, okay, whatever. Um, Don't you dare because, drag on Heath Slater. He's awesome. He's trying to pay for an above ground pool, <laughs> right? Because um, when he was trying to find a tag team partner, he went to what Arn Anderson, right? Double and A. It's like what? Double A. Right, and it's like, see, that's what I'm, and that's what I was talking about. Is you know, sure, I want to see Arn Anderson wrestle, but. Look how old he is. You can't even do that anymore. I mean, even Let me Jerry get this Lawler straight. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get this straight. You are telling me, AJ Signeri, that your biggest problem with Heath Slater right now is that he went to Arn Anderson to no, set up a funny moment. No, no, I did not. But before you get to your point, we've been going at this for an hour, AJ. We made a deal that we would end this show at a certain point. So now we must take a break before you get to your defense of your hatred of Heath Slater. For this music signifies the most important moment of all moments, AJ. This episode is to be continued. Out front, AJ and Nick. Knights. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.